The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And Jesus goes on to say, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I am them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even if you have even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the gospel of the Lord. What does it mean to be an Acts church? In this series, Church in Motion, we look at how the church lives and moves in an ever-changing world. We are focusing on four words found in the Nicene Creed, beautiful and powerful words professed by followers of Jesus across the centuries and around the world. When we declare the church to be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic, we are drawn into the missionary activity of the triune God. As a unifying church, we actively partner with others in kingdom ministry. As a sanctifying church, we demonstrate the effects of forgiveness and healing to the world, not just to our own members. As a reconciling church, we are given the ministry of peacemaking in the midst of racism, division, and brokenness. And as a proclaiming church, we preach, teach, mobilize and send disciples who make disciples who plant churches that plant churches all to the glory of Jesus uh, if I didn't meet you earlier my name is Andrew Walker I'm the pastor at Acts Church Kyle uh, I got here a couple of years ago 2016 um, to plant a church in Hayes County uh, out of Axe Church Lakeway. So Axe Church Lakeway called me, and I guess in April of that year, I got a chance to come down here. I'm from Texas, so I got a chance to visit again and meet them and talk to their uh, leadership and Pastor Pete and just kind of get to know not just Axe Church Lakeway, but the Axe Church Network and learn more about the mission. And um, in getting to know each other, I was able to ask them some questions, uh, especially of their leadership, like, how did y'all get here? How did you get involved in Axe Lakeway? Why did you stay in Axe Lakeway? Just tell me a little bit about it. And I was expecting something along the lines of, well, 
you know, there's uh, Lakeway's an expanding area, and and a an Acts Church Lakeway came out here. It was the closest Lutheran church to me, or it was just the closest church to me right down the road. So I started coming here. I liked it, and I stayed. Something along those lines. But what I got was actually tears. Um, leaders expressing the impact of Acts Lakeway in their life, the the impact of the Spirit in their life and how that moved them and how they were able to move their neighbors because of how the Spirit had moved them. And I remember thinking like, you know, this is not just a a church that was planted um, out of a bandwagon mentality. You know, lots of churches are being planted right now. We'll just plant because it's the, the newest thing to do. This was a church that was actually in motion, a living, breathing, impacting organization and more than that, a body, a family of believers, and I wanted to be part of that. Um, it, it resonated with me that we're not just a church that impacts one another. We're a church that plants churches, that plants churches. That was impactful to me. So, so I, I uh, received the call. I came, uh, I came down and, um, and really got to see even more of the Acts churches as, as a church in motion, as we say in this series. Um, not just about who we are, in the words of the Nicene Creed, one, holy, Catholic, i.e. universal, uh, sanctifying um, um, or apostolic church, but one that moves out of our identity. How we move is based on who we are. We're not just one, we're unifying. We're not just holy, we're sanctifying. We're not just Catholic, we're reconciling. We're not just apostolic, we're proclaiming. We are moving in the mission of God. And uh, specifically this morning, we're gonna talk about that concept of unifying because the church is described in scripture as a body, as a temple, as a family. This is who we are, but who we are determines how we move. So it also describes, scripture also describes us as a kingdom that advances, that includes, that, that makes comprehensive, that incorporates. In other words, a kingdom that is unifying. So who we are determines how we move. A church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. Can y'all say that with me again? A church that is unified in Jesus unifies in Jesus. And right away, if you give any thought to that at all, you may be tempted to call BS and just say, no, this, if this was the project, that, that there would be a unified church that unifies people, then it's a tremendous fail. Just a terrible, terrible fail. Let me tell you about my morning. Every Sunday, I drive two miles uh, to, to lead worship at Axe Kyle. Um, two miles, five-minute drive. I pass seven churches of seven different denominations, okay? So unified seems to be a bit of a misnomer, right? And some of the deepest and darkest hurts are perpetrated by the church, by Christians against Christians or by Christians against the world, not exactly a unifying body. I mean, you think about all of the wars that have been fought all the lives that have been lost, all of the gallons upon gallons of blood that has been shed and ink that has been spilled to prove that one point, we Christians are different from those Christians. We are right. They are wrong. 
us, them. So unifying seems to be kind of a failed experiment when you look at it on the surface. And, and, and I'll, I'll, tell you, um, I'll tell you why and, and how we kind of perpetrate this today and how it's become so rampant and, and often is that a lot of times we only see the church as a friendly place or we try to plant friendly churches or we invite people into friendly churches, or we visit friendly churches. So in the words of C.S. Lewis, you know, describing friendship looks like, like this. Instead of unifying, friendly churches are based in commonality. He says, friendship arises out of mere companionship. It's a, it's a deepening relationship. Friendship arises out of mere companionship. When two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste, which the others do not share, and which, till that moment, each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. So here's uh, an, an example of, of, of friendship. My best friend growing up was my next door neighbor. And we shared some things in common. We like the same movies. We, we love superheroes. We uh, like playing sports together and that kind of thing. But the, the biggest thing that we had in common is we uh, both loved fire. Um, we both loved setting things on fire. Uh, like to the extent that if it was my kid, now I'd be severely disturbed by how much uh, he likes fire. We would make these grotesque sculptures out of his sister's Barbies, you know, with sparklers. We just kind of melt them together. And um, now my life has changed. His life has changed. My best friend I would consider uh, to be my wife, um, Audrey. And um, we don't share a love of fire. I still share my love of fire. But, um, but she, like her idea of playing with fire or throwing the poppers, you know, at 4th of July, like that's, that's the extent to which she'll go. So I grew in this kind of different direction. He grew in this different um, direction. We're still friends, but my point is that friendship changes um, based on those areas of commonality. You grow into friendships. You grow out of friendships uh, sometimes, and, and only the luckiest have these lifelong friends that grow together. But a lot of times we mistake the church like it operates the same way that our relationships are based on our tastes and our views and our circumstance. So you think about the concept of, of um, church shopping, for example. And you go to visit different churches in the area, and, and you, you might pick one that, that has a similar taste in music as, as you, or, uh, or has a mission that matches your worldview, or where you can see yourself and, and your family reflected in the ages, in the race, in the political um, in the political climate, uh, in all of these circumstances that, that you are reflected in the people around you. And we might, you know, pick a church like that, a, a friendly church, one based on commonality. Commonality and conformity do not equal unity. Commonality and conformity do not equal unity, at least not the unity that Christ talks about. It's not based in our interests. It's not based in our preferences. Total oneness 
is only in Christ, is what we hear in our reading today. The church that is unified in Jesus, unifies in Jesus. In the words of Jesus, here's what he says in John uh, chapter 17. Taking a little part of our reading today, he's praying. He says, I do not ask for these only, the 12 that are gathered there in the room with him. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Differences can only threaten a friendly church. It can only threaten the common, commonality-based relationships that we create. But differences beautify the unifying church. Differences accentuate the unity that Christ creates that goes above and beyond in spite of our differences to actually bring him more glory. It would take me about five seconds, I think, with any given one of you or any given one of you with each other to spot some extreme and deep separation. If we have a conversation of anything of substance, I'm positive that we could find something, some area where we differ, where if we follow that trail long enough, we might even say, you know, I don't know if, if we can hang out. I don't know if we can be friends. Every single one of us has these dissimilarities. But Jesus unites us over and above our differences. So his unity that he creates in the church is actually, um, as beautiful as it is, is extremely inconvenient for us. It's very inconvenient because we look at this passage in John 17 and it's clear how he establishes this unity or how he passes it um, from heaven to us. It looks like this. The word of God comes through Jesus, the truth comes through Jesus to the apostles to the church after them, to the world, which then feeds the glory of Christ back again, right? So it it comes down this pipeline, and it is an inseparable pipeline. It it can't be cracked, it it can't be broken, but we want to break it. That's why it's inconvenient for us. We want to take pieces of that pipe out. So we say, I don't have to worship with the body of believers. I don't have to be invested in another person's life. I certainly don't have to forgive someone who's hurt me. That's not how I unite with God. I unite with God by going walking on Sunday mornings or loving my family. This is my relationship with God. And he just has not given us that ability. The word of God, the truth, comes from Jesus to these 12, to these. I not only pray for these, but I pray for all of those after them. From Christ to the apostles, to the church, to the world. Or we might say, well, I'm on board with the church. I love the events. I love the community. But I just can't get on board with God's word as true. At least not the word that comes by these men. It's, it's sexist, it's homophobic, and I just can't get around that. So the Bible's out for me. But I'm all about like the inspirational aspect of church and the good music. You know? And we just can't take the apostolic teaching out. This is how Christ delivered his word to the church. Or we might take God himself out. I just kind of 
cater and tailor the message each Sunday to match my own personal worldview. I don't really believe Jesus did all that stuff, all that miraculous stuff. I don't actually believe he raised from the dead. But these people are really nice. The music is really good. So I'm, I'm good to go. Like, that's fine with me. And we just can't take this pipeline out because this is how the truth comes. If you take any pipe, if you take any piece of that pipeline out, the water, the truth just, just drops. And whatever the people are receiving on the other side, it is not the truth of God. We do this in the church when we expect the world to be like us. When we say, you're welcome here as long as you look like us, or if you don't look like us or sound like us, then you certainly should be on your way to looking and sounding like us. So that, that takes a piece out of the pipe, and Jesus has not given us that. That is not unity as he has created. Now, division does not come from Christ. Division does not come down the pipeline. Division only happens when we look back at where that truth came from. We look back at the, at the apostolic teaching. We look back at Christ. We look back and say, okay, what happened there? What did God actually bring down the pike? And there's where we get division, right? So the creed was not, um, the Nicene Creed was not uh, created for division. It was not created to say us versus them. It was created to inspire unity, to say this is the truth of God. But division was a, a byproduct of that. Because some, some people look back and said, well, that's not what God brought down the pike. I don't think that's what God brought down, down the pike. So I'm out. Division is a byproduct when we try to interpret what God is doing, but division does not come from God. So how do we deal with it? When the inevitable division occurs because we are so different, because we are sinful, to go back to what Pastor Josh talked about a couple of weeks ago, when our tribalism gets more important than our tribe, and we start thinking that truth is more important than the truth, how do we deal with that division? How do we deal with those breaks in relationship? And there's a, a scriptural, I believe, biblical process of how we engage or how we encounter truth and division and how we kind of... Um, how we unite. The first would be to actually acknowledge that there is such thing as truth, not a truth, but the truth. Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth, right? So that kind of eliminates this aspect of, well, you believe what you believe, and I believe what I believe, and, you know, whatever happens in the middle, we just chalk it up and say it doesn't matter. Jesus does not give us that freedom either. Right? So we acknowledge the fact that there is such thing as the truth. We also acknowledge the fact that there is division. See, there's this tendency to say, well, you know, I know we can't really figure it out, so we'll just sweep this under the rug. We don't have to talk about stuff that causes arguments. We'll just pretend it doesn't exist. And, and that is a failure on the other side. We have to bring up these things. It was important for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years that the church engaged these discussions not to fight, not to create division, but to strive for unity, to get on the same page as God, to assent, to align themselves with that truth. So we acknowledge that there is division. We also acknowledge that there is such a, a thing as truth in which we align. We acknowledge those things, and then we engage it. We engage each other. We have the saying at Acts Church, Kyle, get comfortable with discomfort. 
get comfortable with discomfort because it is inevitable. As soon as you talk to anyone who is different from you, as soon as you strive for that unity, it gets uncomfortable because you first have to acknowledge you're different than me and I'm different than you. You may be wrong. I may be wrong. We have to We have to engage this because division only flourishes when the truth is ignored, when it's put on the back burner, when when that unity is is squashed. That's how division flourishes. So we engage that level of discomfort. But who we are shapes how we move. Our movement is to engage that discomfort. Our movement is is to strive for unity. But who are we? How does that engagement occur? We're we're one. We're one holy, Catholic, apostolic church. So when we talk to somebody who says, well, I can't get on board with God's word because it's, 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 it's homophobic and sexist and all this stuff, we don't say, all right, you're out. That's it. I'm done. No, the, the unity that exists, because they, they say, no, I, I believe that Christ died for me. I believe that I'm forgiven. I believe that I need his grace. That unity that occurs then drives us to say, okay, how do we engage? Sit down, shut up until you're ready to say what we say, or we wrestle together with patience, with long-suffering, with love, because that is how Christ united with us. Who we are United shapes how we move, unifying. And in the midst of that, we recognize the fact that we're not always right, just like other people aren't always right. So we repent. As we engage, we identify these areas where we need to repent and say, like, well, we are limited. I don't have all the right answers, right? And what I am, uh, I, I need to be careful not to impose something on you because here's what imposing does um, in saying like, well, I am right, be like me. It says, I am up here, you are down there, and you better come up to my level. When in reality, that's not what's going on. The cause of tribalism, as Pastor Josh said, was sin. The same sin that permeates all of us, that permeates all of our relationships. So that doesn't mean you come up to where I am. It means I am down here with you or I I am on your level. You are on my level. We're united, not just in Christ, we're united in sin. This This is our situation. The same God who pulled me up out of the muck and mire pulls you up out of the muck and mire. The same God who died for me died for you. The same God who abides you abides me. The same God that shows you love and patience shows me love and patience. So I wrestle with you. I repent of my pride. And we repent of our pride. And as soon as there's repentance, there is forgiveness. Because this is where this unity hits the road. We can say all day long, well, I repent. I'm I'm separated from God. We have this division. I'm separated from each other. But the forgiveness is what unites us. This is where grace actually comes into our lives that overarches all of those divisions that take place, right? This is the true essence of the church. So it kind of looks like this. I was thinking about it in the, in the early service. Um, it's kind of a microcosm of, of what's actually occurring. Um, and it happened a little bit 
here just now, but, uh, but I noticed it more in the early service. When there's prayer or when we're speaking the creed or when Steve is doing the, um, uh, you know, the offering, announcing the offering, you could hear the littles. Uh, you could hear the buzz. You could hear people talking and crying and punching each other and falling off chairs and everything else. And, and, and yet, Steve is speaking a word of what's, what's happening. And this is kind of how people can encounter the church. You come with this expectation of people, you know, being good and being proper. Meanwhile, what you're seeing is, is people fighting and hitting each other and talking over each other and getting distracted. Um, you know, to put it in an extreme case, what happens in the church it would be like one half of the band playing one song and the other half playing the other song at the, another song at the exact same time where you come expecting this picture of oneness and togetherness, but on the surface, that is not, that is not what you're seeing. However, no matter how much these littles talked, they're not nullifying what God is doing. They can talk at the same time they hear the words, you are forgiven in the word, in the name of Jesus Christ. Just because they're talking at the same time that's said doesn't mean it nullifies it. That's the reality that's occurring. So we can fight and we can look disunified, but it doesn't, it doesn't nullify what God is actually doing in the background, under the surface. Our unity in him usurps all of our division. It works in spite of our differences so that the world would believe, so that Christ would be glorified because the church that is unified in Christ unifies in Christ. That is the church in motion. Would y'all pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we are honest, not just with ourselves, but with you. Uh, you already know it to be true. We are broken. We are divided. We are different. And we can pretty that up as much as we want and say, well... That's not sin, that's just who I am. That's just who they are, and they can do what they want just like I do what I want. But in reality, Lord, you know a lot of times our pride gets in the way. When we say differences don't just exist, but one difference is better than another. One difference is righteous and another difference is sin. And Father, it gets really sticky trying to navigate Which differences are sin? Which differences are diversity? And how to, how to unify? So Lord, we end up speaking over each other. We end up talking and crying and punching each other all the time. You are speaking words that unite us all the while. Your spirit is bringing us together by the gospel that forgives our sins, where true unity is really put into practice not because we have agreed with each other, not because we have found some common ground, but because the grace of Christ has covered us and that his blood makes us whiter than snow. Lord, you work in spite of us. We confess that, we thank you for that, and we strive ever more to align ourselves with that fact all the while, living, breathing, moving, being in the grace of Jesus Christ your Son, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.